Jim, would you come here? I feel better with something pretty standing next to me. Hey, y'all, this is my wife. So Jennifer and I found out yesterday at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we're going to have a baby. So I have two grandchildren, five regular children already, and I think we're going to add Moses Samson Stevens to the mix. This will add to the lore of Titus Magnus, who will be able to say, his uncle has to check with him before he can go outside. <laughs> we wanted to share our joy with you. Uh, we're very early on, four weeks or so. And um, I called the pastors of the One Association last night and told them for the sake of unity, they should also get their wives pregnant. <laughs> Mike said he felt as if he was having contractions then. <laughs> and Zeke seemed to take it very seriously. <laughs> we wanted to say that we love you. We uh, appreciate your prayer, your support. Uh, I don't often admit to being overwhelmed, but this is one of those days that... Let's just say we feel overshadowed by the Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Could we ask our elders to come forward and pray for us? In this church, the elders ministered to the people and to the pastors. And uh, you guys can just join with the elders. Jen and I are going to let them pray for us, and then we will we'll do what we do today. You know the days, the number of our days, Father, you know the hairs on our head, Father. Mighty, mighty are you, God. You do things that astound the nations, Lord God. You bring forth your people, Lord, in the time that you set, Lord God, to do the things that you have set aside for them to do. Lord, let your assignment to free your earth from the evil that is upon it, Lord, to, to heal the earth be carried out through the seed of Eric and Jennifer Stevens, Father. Let them walk mightily, Lord God, through whatever it is you have for them. Lord, bless them in their going and their coming all their days. Mighty God, we lift up the Stevens family, mighty King. Father, yes. we lift them up, Lord, as servants oh, of yours, mighty God. Father, we acknowledge that your plans 
sometimes surprise us, mighty God, but we thank you, Lord, that you have always considered us, mighty King. Lord, that you're adding to our number, mighty God, that you're adding to the number out in the field for your glory, mighty King. Father, may we get continued warriors streaming into this place, mighty God, for your glory, mighty God. May we fight, mighty God, with our offspring, with our seed, mighty God. We offer them up to you, Lord God, for your service, mighty King. Father, we ask that you would give a safe and healthy gestation, mighty God, that you would bring forth a healthy baby, mighty God, a strong child that will serve you with everything that he has, mighty King. Yes, 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 Father God. Oh, God, what a glorious day, Lord God. What a wonderful day in the house of the Lord this is, oh, God. Oh, God, as your arrows in the hands and the quiver, Lord God, of your servants come before you this day, Lord God. We dedicate this time, Lord God. We dedicate this child to you, Lord God. Yes, Father God, may he run with the horseman even from the womb, Lord God. Yes, Lord God, as your fire is set up in his bones, Lord God, he comes out, Lord God, with the word firmly in his heart and in his mouth, Lord God. Yes, Lord God, even as the day that's so great is so humbling in the same, Lord God, that we might might be a part of such a great family, Lord God, to glorify you, Lord God, and only you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Moses Samson Stevens. So it is January 29th, it is 2017, and with five children, one on the way, and two grandchildren. Our message today is called Active. Physically active. Mentally active. Spiritually active. It's good for your health. It's good for your emotions. It may even be good for your marriage. To be spiritually active is definitely good for the kingdom of God. I want to share with you some insights from the book of Ephesians. So if you'll turn with me to Ephesians, we're going to walk through the book. I have seven statements, not six, not eight, seven statements from Ephesians that the Holy Spirit highlighted to me yesterday while we were praying with Mario and Alicia over the miracle in her arms. I also want to tell those of you in this room that are hungry to produce children, that have labored and thus far have not yet seen the fruit of your labor. We're going to break through today. Don't you be scared to get your hopes up. Don't you stand back in timidity. 
We are not of those that shrink back, and in the name of Jesus, our dreams will not be destroyed. Amen. The people of God have to fight for the promises of God. Amen. And I fully intend to fight. In Ephesians 1, in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Somebody say every. every. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Depending on the day, you may feel as if you have some spiritual blessing in Christ. On another day, you may feel as if you have none spiritual blessing in Christ. But the Word of God steps out and makes the bold proclamation that you have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every Say it again, every. every, which leads us to Paul's prayer in the very same chapter. Look at verse 18 of chapter 1. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power... It's like the working of his mighty strength. Say mighty strength. mighty strength. Which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul prayed that the spiritual blessing that is yours in Christ, that your heart would be able to perceive it. That the eyes of your heart would be opened. That you might know the kind of power that is available to a saint. It is yours. I want to bring you a message of encouragement today. As somebody who got a blessing they were not praying for. I want you to know that the blessings you are praying for are already yours in Christ. If your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, your feet are submitted to the will of God then he has put in your heart the desires he wants you to pray for. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Don't back up. Don't let up. Don't shut up until you get what you are after. This world is obsessed with sick things. We're obsessed with the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. Paul believed this so much that turned to the third chapter and look at the seventh verse. He said, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his mighty power. Paul believed that he was born again by the mighty power of God and that he continued to serve by the mighty power of God. You can, you should be, and you will experience the power of God. The believer lives on spiritual blessing and lives on the power of God like your physical body lives on air. In the same chapter, Paul breaks back into prayer for our fourth statement, Ephesians 3.16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Say power. power. Through his spirit in your inner being. When His Spirit fills your spirit, there is power in your inner being. Say power. Power. That power is for you. That power is for your neighbor. That power is for all who would call upon the name. On the day of Pentecost, 
This blessing is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off. Friends, we're about as far from there as you can get, and that power is for you. In Ephesians 3 and verse 20, we see the results of living in that kind of power. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. This scripture has often been twisted into some kind of material blessing. Friends, any lost person can go from a Cadillac to an Escalade. Any lost person can upgrade their lives in that way. They steal, they rob, they beg, they borrow, they do whatever it takes to get what they want. Can I tell you he is not talking about material blessings. He has been obsessed from the beginning of the letter with the very spiritual blessings that are ours. And he will do immeasurably more than you could ask for or imagine. I told this to one man and he said, I don't know, I can imagine a lot. You're going to have to figure out how to get beyond the confines of your mind and step right into the mind of Christ because he can certainly imagine more. Amen? In Ephesians 6 and verse 10, for the sixth statement from Ephesians, he says, finally, say finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Who is supposed to be strong in the power of the Lord? You are. How strong do you feel? Can you, like Micah in the third chapter and the eighth verse, say, But as for me, I am filled with power to declare to Jacob his unrighteousness. Can you say that the Spirit of God has filled you with power? Because I can and he is doing immeasurably more than I could ask for or imagine. I have watched it in the lives of our elders since I was the age of my small children. I have watched it in my peers as they have labored in the kingdom. And God's power will deliver you time and time again. He will bring hope to you in the darkest hour. And he will cause you to overcome when others succumb. Oh, his power is everything. Do you want His power today? Yes. Do you want to be active in the Lord today? Yes. I'm going to ask something of you, even as I'm telling you where we are going. Today, we are going to experience His power. Today, wombs are going to be open and life is going to come forth. Today, sick are going to be healed in this place. If you want the baptism in the Holy Ghost, you can have that here today because His presence is among us. If you want to free yourself from the shackles that have held you down, there is power over sin in the house of God today. Today, you can have a collision with the kingdom. I know this because it happened to me 23 years ago and has been happening every week of my life ever since. In every country we've gone to, in every state we've been in, in every setting with believers and unbelievers alike, I have tasted of His power and it is for you today if you have the courage to ask, do you want His power? Yes. The seventh thing that Paul said in Ephesians is in the 6th chapter and the 19th verse and it is my prayer as well. Pray also for me. That whenever I open my mouth, 
And my goodness, is that a lot. Words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. In a few short weeks, we will be in Indonesia. And right after Indonesia, Romania. And right after Romania, Turkey. We'll move from the northwest side of Turkey all the way to the southeast side to the border of Syria. And I have a baby on the way. We believe in going big or not going at all. I was in Jerusalem right after Judah was born. I was in Houston, Texas when Gabriel was born. And I was in Jerusalem again when Abby was born. This time, in October of this year, there's no telling where we will be. I just pray that fearlessly we'll make known the glories of the gospel. Cody, son, you better hurry. I'm filling up the family suburban. Brandon, where are you at? You got one beautiful boy. Don't rest now. The rest of you in the church, I'm going to pray for you today because we take at least two Bible names per child and you're going to run out soon. I want to take a minute to pray because John 20 and verse 22, Jesus breathed on them. In Luke 24, 45, the effect of that breathing the Holy Spirit on them was that their minds were open to understand the scripture. We need the eyes of our heart enlightened. We need to be strengthened with his power. And most of all, we need to fearlessly make known the gospel. Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? The Buddhists are beating their drums back there at the temple, but I want to beat on the very gates of the kingdom of God. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you and we ask that your power would be manifest in this place. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your blessings in our lives, mighty God. We say, will you move in this place today? Lord, will you bring hope to those who are downtrodden? Will you break the chains of those who are bound? In the name of Jesus, amen. Oh, my, my, my. They got a puppy in the Piro household yesterday. I hate to one-up them. They say if you... Give an old dog a puppy, it'll add years to his life. And I have to say, apparently the same is true with babies. Turn with me to Romans 12 and verse 1. Nick Slaughter claims that it is my beard. So if you are trying to get pregnant and have not yet, either your wife has to grow a beard or you do, but your baby can't have two mummies. Are you in Romans 12? See why I got the elders to pray for me before we started? (laughs) Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. You know, when we talk about a view, it's different if you've seen that view. I can describe the Grand Canyon to you, but it's not the same as having seen it. 
This man knew God's mercy. He had literally seen the tabernacle and the temple that he's describing here. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Say transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, man. The renewing of a mind is not the cleaning out of the old, nasty mind. The renewing of the mind is not simply taking yucky things out of the mind. The renewing of the mind is a brand new mind. Something created completely out of nothing. A renewed mind is described in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16. I will read it to you so that you don't have to turn. And I rarely lie when I preach. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That is not your mind renovated. That is not your mind now stripped of bad thoughts. That is not your mind. That is not a natural mind made better. That is not the human intellect improved. That is the entire mind transplant. You have died to your own thoughts, died to your own life, died to your own way of thinking, and the very mind of Christ has possessed your body. Oh, man. Jesus could spit into the mud and make eyeballs. Men filled with the very same spirit as Jesus could look at the clouds and say, you will not give rain except at my word. They could point to an iron axe head and make it float. They could turn the Nile into blood. You have to be out of your mind to think like that. And in the mind of Christ. I'm happy today to tell you that at 42 years old, I may be out of my mind. But I am in the mind of Christ. It turns out that being in the mind of Christ is far more fruitful than living in the confines of your own mental illness. A mind dominated by sin is sick. A mind tainted by sin is sick. A mind affected by sin to any degree is sick in this world we are looking for any cause for the way why we are the way that we are the cause is as obvious as the first three chapters of the bible you are the way that you are because you have been sinful you need a mind transplant you need a heart transplant You need a spirit transplant. Like David in the 51st Psalm, you have to say, create in me a clean heart. You can't say, take this heart and clean it up. Take this heart and do a bypass on it. Take this heart and clean it out. You need an entirely new heart. So, well, pastor, when I was eight, I came to the altar and I, I, amen. I'm very glad for what happened to you when you were eight. I'm more concerned with the next 25 years than those first eight We are supposed to renew our minds by putting on Christ every day. Out with the old, in with the new. In Acts 12, Rhoda was said to be out of her mind because she believed God had delivered Peter. She could see him. She had experienced hearing his voice. 
And everyone else who was praying for, for Peter to be released from prison didn't believe her. She was the one out of her mind. They meant to insult her and they were actually complimenting her because she was outside of the confines of her natural mind. She was right inside the mind of Christ. She believed that the word of the Lord was true. And so she saw it with her very own eyes. What would happen to you if you were not imprisoned by that decaying flesh between your ears? What would happen to you if you believed the word of God? In Acts 26, Paul stood before Festus. And Festus said, Paul, your learning has driven you out of your mind. Well, yeah. His mind was just... Not worth comparing to what he had now received. And why did Festus think Paul was out of his mind? Because Paul aimed at conversion of the judge of his trial. Sounds like Paul was operating in the mind of Christ. Let me ask you, who gets to judge, Festus or Christ? See, if Paul were sitting there in the confines of his mind, he's terrified of Festus. But if he's sitting there and he's inside the mind of Christ, Festus is intimidated by him. Oh, come on, saints. Maybe you need to get out of your mind today. Psalm 119 and verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things that are in your law. You can't see them with the natural eye. You can't perceive them with the natural mind. They will not make a dent in the unregenerated heart. But if you ask God for a transplant, if you say, Mighty One, I trust you more than I trust my eyes. I trust you more than I trust my ears. I trust your word more than my own experience. Then something supernatural will begin to grow inside of you. Everything. Say everything. Everything is possible for him who believes. That is not just the byline of some cheap, ridiculous traveling evangelist that is stealing your money. It happens to be the very word of God. And those of us that hang our hat in one location and preach the gospel to everyone that we see and are there when we prophesy... We're there the week later to see whether it came true. We're there when we pray for your healing. We're there when we have to go to the hospital. We're there on the day that you move, on the day that your children are born. When we say, for him who believes, everything is possible, it ought to mean something different than when the charlatan on TV says it. Because you know what? Tomorrow he won't be there. But we are. You can see that what we preach agrees with our way of life. You can see that what we say, we also demonstrate. You can see that we are operating in the kingdom of God while we are standing in the kingdom of the United States. We also do it in every other kingdom we walk into, whether they say that we can or not, because I'm out of my mind and in the mind of Christ. It turns out that learning without doing is actually counterproductive to what we are praying. Look at this passage and you'll see what I mean. Go to Philemon and verse 6. Are you there? Paul liked to pray for people in his letters. 
I pray that you may be. I pray that you may be. <laughs> I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. So that, say so that. In other words, what's coming next is one of the results of being active in sharing your faith. You will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. You cannot begin to know the spiritual blessings that are yours until you get active in sharing your faith. You cannot begin to know the actual power of God until you have a need for the power of God because you are putting your testimony on the line. But the more active you are in sharing your faith, the greater your understanding of the good things that are ours in Christ will be. Oh, church, has our level of education outpaced our level of obedience? Do we sit and soak, listening to the sage on a stage? Or is it time to actually get active in sharing our faith? You know that there are only two times in the entirety of the scripture that the word active in the English language appears. The first one tells you that you should be active in sharing your faith. And that in doing so, you will gain a greater understanding of what is yours in Christ. The second is actually spoken in the very next book. Turn with me to Hebrews. After you get past the first chapter and the second chapter... In the third chapter, discover the fourth and land on the twelfth verse. For the word of God is living and... Do you mean to tell me we're supposed to be active in sharing our faith and the word of God is itself active? It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Do you know why you begin to understand more as you share the gospel more? Because in using the word constantly and being trained by the word that you are using constantly, the word is also judging the thoughts and attitudes of your own heart. So then we preach it, but it also proclaims something to us while we preach it. How many of you in here have delivered a lesson of some kind, a Bible study, a sermon of some kind? If I asked you what you taught on, would it be true that for the next few days you thought about what you taught about? Would it be true that there was a greater effort for it to show up in your life because you were now responsible for having proclaimed it? If that is not true, you're in a very dangerous place. But I suspect that it is true. The more we share the Word of God, the more the Word of God begins to work in us. We have made a terrible mistake in the American church believing that sitting on our salvation is our service to God. We have listened and listened and listened and listened without doing, and it is actually counterproductive to understanding the blessing that is ours. The more we sit with Christians, hang around Christians, and never go outside of our spiritual safety box, we start becoming dull to what is ours in Christ. If you never go out on the deep waters, you will never see the miracles. 
And I'm not hunting miracles. We're looking for souls. The only two times in the Word that something is said to be active is sharing your faith and the Word of God itself. The word active is an interesting word. It's translated from energies. That's not hard to understand, is it? The Strong's number is 1756. Energies. It's a compound word. We'll come back to that in a minute. But active has to do with active or engaging in work. Powerful or effective work. When you are engaging in the work of sharing the gospel, you understand the spiritual blessings more. You experience them more. The word of God is active or powerful or effective in working inside of you. Oh, man, it is so good to be active. There is one other time that energies is used in the Greek text. It doesn't come through as active in our Bibles. In most translations, it comes through as effective. You can find it in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 8. Say there when you were there. There. Two of you are there. Where are the rest of you? I love Ephesus. Ephesus was a spiritual playground. Ephesus was a place where there was a female deity that ruled the area. Ephesus was the Las Vegas of the ancient world. In the first century, Ephesus had 500,000 people in it. And Paul went inside of it, and in a few years, he turned Ephesus upside down for Jesus Christ. They had a book burning there. Ephesus was extraordinary. There, in fact... Miracles were so common, it was said that Paul did extraordinary miracles. Like, a miracle itself, not extraordinary. There are miracles and then there are extraordinary miracles in Ephesus. Ephesus was an interesting place. 1 Corinthians 16, 8. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. Because a great door for effective work, energia, has opened to me. And there are many who oppose me. It turns out that where Paul was active in sharing his faith, where the word of God was active in the hearers, active in the believers, there was active work to be done. See, the thing is about the word is it will not heal your car by sitting on the back dash. The thing is about the Word is it will do nothing for you sitting in your chair when you go home. The thing about the Word is possessing the prettiest Bible in the world is actually an ugly thing if you are not depositing it in your heart. The thing is, is now that you have the truth, the more you share the truth, the more you love the truth. The more the truth begins to work inside of you. The thing is, we've become very responsible because we've been given so very much. It's crazy that Paul could be standing in Ephesus where he spoke seven times about being empowered, where he was active in sharing the word and where the word was active in the believers. And that is where an effective or active door had opened for his ministry. Are you waiting on a breakthrough this morning? 
Maybe you just need to be more active in sharing your faith. Maybe you need to let the word be more active in you. Be more active in those that you are preaching to. If the word is not the superstar of your life, then you're living an idolatrous life. There might be nobody more guilty of that than preachers. When the word becomes a footnote to satisfy your critics, because what you're actually doing is impressing people with your flesh, you are an idolater. But when the word of God is what you are preaching, and it is working inside of you, it will work inside the hearts and minds of the people you are speaking to, and they will be transformed. You will not have five years from today essentially the same unregenerate goats posing as sheep in your church. You know how I can know that for sure? I've done it. And I've watched the lives change around us. There's nobody here who is where you were five years ago. And if you go back 20 years, you don't resemble the people that you used to be. Oh, church, the Word of God is effective. So that we don't miss exactly what this energies is about. Energies that is defined as active in the 1984 NIV is a compound word. In simply means, shockingly, in. It's in ergos, E-R-G-O-S. Ergos or ergon, depending on how it's being used in the sentence, is translated as work or good deeds Uh, or fruit, but almost always it's translated as work. To give you some flavoring of what that means, to give you some idea of what we're talking about when we say the Word of God is active or you should be active in sharing your faith, the very first use of ergon in all of the Scripture is something that you probably learned in Sunday school. It's Matthew 5.16. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good ergon and praise your Father in heaven, that they may see your good deeds. We are supposed to let our light shine before men that they might see our good works, good deeds. And who do they praise? Our Father in heaven, because they know that they are not flowing from us. They must be flowing from the word of God that is inside of us. Oh, come on, church. If the very first time it appears in Scripture, it is something that you are supposed to produce for his glory. If it is the product of your faith, a labor of love, something that you endure in because you're inspired by hope, as 1 Thessalonians says... I wonder where is the last time it appears in the Scripture. We see Ergon in the very first book of the New Testament in the fifth chapter, and we see Ergon in the last book of the New Testament and the last chapter, Revelation 22. Please turn there. In Revelation 22, verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has ergon. 
You see, the Word of God is active, and you are supposed to be active. And when you are active, it produces something. There is a fruit of your effort. When the Word of God that is like a seed is planted in the soil, it produces life. It will show up somehow. It will break through the dirt and begin to bear its very own fruit. I think far too long have churches measured their fruit by the number of butts and seats. How is that any different than the Super Bowl? How is that any different than any other carnal event? Do you know what is different about the true church of the living God? It's not the number of people that are in the seats, but the number of people that have been so transformed that when they get in contact with someone else, the other person becomes what they are. That's why we seek not to value the number that we seat in this building, but the number that we send to go make more Christians. Because the first time Ergon shows up in the Newer Testament, it's to tell you that your good deeds should shine before men, that they would glorify your Father in heaven. And the last time Ergon shows up in all of the Newer Testament, is a warning. I am going to return and I will reward you for what your ergon is. How will you know whether or not somebody is a Christian? By their ergon. How will you know whether a teacher is teaching the truth or not? By his ergon. It's an extraordinary thing that in our day and time we have separated faith from works when the actual truth is that your faith produces work. Or it's not real faith at all. Read the first chapter of Romans in the fifth verse and tell me it's not true. Read 1 Thessalonians, the first chapter, and tell me it's not true. The entire book of James is dedicated to this fact as if the Holy Spirit knew one day people would twist this as an excuse to sit on their blessed assurance. I want the message to be unmistakable to you. For power to dwell in us, we must work in preaching the word. And the word will work in those who hear it. You labor to bring forth the word. You bring forth deeds that are based on your trust in the Lord. Your very great love for him. A labor of love. Not trying to earn anything. Working because you love him. And then he will do the work in the people as a testimony to the truth of his word. We will preach the word and we will demonstrate its power because we are active in sharing the word and the word is active in transforming lives. Nothing makes me sicker than to walk into one of what we hope are our brothers' churches and see corporate slogans on the wall. So loosely based on scripture, that the first 100 Christians that you ask in the room cannot tell you what scripture it's based on. Come grow with us. That's a really pretty sick idea. Jesus' last words to the church were go, not come. Church, I want you to know the spiritual blessings that are yours in Christ. But I also know that you cannot know them without attempting to let your faith produce something. And the more you stretch out to trust him, the more you try, 
the more he will meet you right where you're at with an overwhelming sense of affirmation and power because his work on earth must be done. We are praying for the second coming of the Lord and half of the globe have not heard of his first coming. How can we live with that situation? In our day and time, we're obsessed with a rapture so that you can be raptured from your responsibility to produce the fruit of the kingdom. You know what I would like to see? Christians that would be disappointed if we were taken before we got a chance to bring the gospel to the very ends of the earth. I'd like to see Christians that can look at the persecutor and say, I am an anvil and I will wear out your hammer because Christ is inside of me. Those like Jim Fleming who could say he is no fool who gives away what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Those that when their wives are pregnant go into hostile territory because it's what Jesus would do. Church, maybe we shouldn't be looking for more comfort. Maybe we ought to embrace the comfort of the Holy Spirit that comes from living in affliction. How could you even know what it means to have the fellowship of his suffering that Paul spoke about? While we don't produce anything and we don't try to do anything, how could we know? So they can jump up and down on TV and tell you that it's anointed because of the tempo that the drum kept or the filter on the camera or maybe the applause lights that they have. They can tell you that that's anointed, but you will never know the real blessings that are yours in Christ until you attempt to share him with the world around you. And you will find some love you because they love him and others hate you because they hate him but very few are left anywhere in between you can examine your relationships with the people around you then and determine just how strong of a witness you have been if they love you or hate you you might be on the right track if they're indifferent then you have probably been indifferent to the moving of the Holy Ghost could you turn with me to the law let us look at Exodus, the fourth chapter. I want to show you that in every area of the Bible, the same truth has existed. It was true then, it's true now, it'll be true tomorrow. And at the end of this service, when we break chains, when we see miracles happen, when we experience the power of God, it will be just as true then. The Word of God never changes. He has a method and a format for reaching the whole globe, and it is not the internet it's not the tv it is not a preacher with a 60 mile an hour haircut and a girlfriend 40 years younger than him what his method has always been is that you be active in sharing the faith and that the word of god be active inside of the hearers are you ready for it yes. in exodus the fourth chapter beginning in the 29th verse moses and aaron brought together of the elders of the Israelites. Moses and who? Aaron. Had he been an American pastor, he'd have blotted his brother's name out. There's only room for one name on this sign. Maybe that's why they're falling like a man can eat grapes. Apparently God's not interested in men's ego. They went in pairs of two. Listen to me. And so should you. You are not independent of your brother. You are not independent of the community. And the community is not independent of you. You need each other. 
This American idolatrous idea of independence. I can do it and I want mine. I don't even think your children should have their own rooms, to be honest. I've had the most powerful church services I've ever seen in my entire life with 70 people crammed into a room that most of us would put one child in and an Xbox and a bed and a TV and a fan and a small mini fridge and anything else the spoiled brat would like. Then we wonder why they act the way they do. Could it be that we have been our own worst enemy here? If your children cannot get along with your other children, how are you preparing them for the world? Well, I guess I won't get invited to your house for dinner anytime soon, or else you'll all go home and move your children's rooms around. In my house, a closet is a suitable room. We don't just think our children are to live together. Your pastors all live together. Not content to stop there, we also move disciples in our house. Not content to stop there, we never lock our doors and our homes are open every evening. How many of you have been in my house, Matthew's house, or Wade's house this week? Raise your hand. Yeah, how about that? How many of you have eaten in one of those houses this week? Go knock on Mr. Colgate's door. See if he'll invite you in for a meal. Yeah, I bet it is. Moses and Aaron brought together all of the elders of the Israelites. And Aaron told them everything the Lord had said. Say everything. Everything. This is the whole gospel. Not half of it. Not a quarter of it. Not what the committee decided is acceptable. Or you decided is expedient. Everything the Lord said, the two men said. Why do you have two of them there? Because if one falls down, the other picks him up. If one backs up, lets up, shuts up, cowers, the other can rise in courage and help his brother out. Come on, you might need somebody. You might need a friend. You might need a brother to stand beside you and say, this is not you. Gird up your loins, man of God. Get up and preach. I don't know about you, sometimes my courage has failed. But I've never been in the situation where the same palsy hit all of my brothers. I've watched each of us crumble from time to time, but we were never alone because we don't allow ourselves to be alone. So the work of God didn't depend upon the strength of a man. It depended on the strength of a covenant that God made with man. He also performed, say he also, he also also performed the signs before the people. It is not enough to talk a good game. You must also walk that walk. It is not enough to preach a supernatural message. You must also perform the supernatural. This makes pastors and Christians alike shrink in their boots. But it ought not. Either the gospel is true or the gospel is not true. We don't need a formula for this to work. And if I pray for you and we did not see the healing, I will not be such a spiritual coward, such a limp-wristed, lily-waisted dandelion that I blame you. The truth is, is there may be a problem with me. It may be that we had not correctly discerned the time or the hour, but one thing I know for sure, God's word is true. 
And it takes faith to stand on that word every day, even when you haven't seen it yet. And he will testify to it if you do not give up, back up, shut up, let up, or quit. But that man who is stealing your money and promising you a sevenfold return, let him pray for you. You don't get out of the wheelchair and you know what he walks off and tells his friends? According to your faith, it'll be done to you. Well, what about your faith, Mr. Snake? Oh, no, it can't be. He's the great man. Well, we don't keep a list of the people that didn't get healed, do we? You know the difference between a pastor and these guys? I remember the faces of the people that we labored for and they died. Just as much as I remember the faces of the people that have been healed. Because they're my family. Amen. Oh, come on, church. Amen. The church of the living God is familial in structure. In fact, every priest is a substitute for your firstborn son. Which means he ought to relate to you as either a father or a brother or a father to a son. Church, if you love each other. You have to give each other the Word of God. You have to help each other. You have to stand with each other and proclaim the Word of God to a dying world. And something happens when you tell them everything the Lord said. And you perform the signs the Lord tells you to perform. Look at verse 31. And they... And they... Do you know that Jesus Christ Himself in the Gospel of John said, do not believe me unless I do what my Father does. How many pastors will stand on a stage and say that? But I'm telling you, you should listen to no one that is not doing what the Father does. They can tell you that it stopped in an apostolic age. They can tell you anything they want to tell you. People say all kind of things. But I am telling you, it has been our experience, not our rumor. Our experience that we see the work of the Father going forth today. In this room, how many of you have had a supernatural healing in the last decade? Look around you. If it ceased, then all of them are liars. Maybe it's only ceased where it stopped being preached and stopped being performed. And maybe that cascading effect means nobody believes anymore. Well, see, this one time... This one time at youth camp, Pastor, I saw it tried and it didn't work. Yeah, it was youth camp. Grow up, put your big boy pants on, grab hold of the Word of God, and let's get after it. I've seen it not work many times, but I don't think anything's wrong with the Word of God. I don't think anything is wrong with the man who stands and trusts the Lord. Something evidently was wrong with the people who were proclaiming it or their timing. How cowardice is it to excuse the greater majority of the work of God because you saw somebody get it wrong one time? Go look at the pictures on the wall back there. That was just 10 years ago, 5 years ago. Let me ask you. If you were the one person that got healed, would you rather that they prayed for everybody in the room or nobody in the room? Turn with me to Isaiah 43, verse 7. Say, there when you were there. Oh, get it, girl. You're going to be a big sister to Moses. It'd be great. You put him in the bathtub and won't know how to get him wet.
In Isaiah 43, verse 7, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. Why were you created? Next time you see this ridiculous nonsense of I was created to worship, I was created for... These bumper stickers sound neat, but there's never a scripture there. Have you noticed that? You were created for God's glory. You don't exist for your own. You don't exist for your own purposes. You don't exist for your own whims. There's one reason that you were created. For God's glory. Are you giving Him His glory? Is your life glorifying Him? Can you say that you are active in sharing that glory? Can you say that you are seeing the Word of God active in the people around you and that you are fanning it, you are encouraging it, you are watering it, that you are causing the kingdom to grow because you were created for one reason. What was that reason, church? His glory. So forgive me if I get upset with these prosperity pimps that have surrounded us with a message that cloaks them in glory and fleeces God's sheep. The message of Christ is not that all of the little people can lift up one great champion. The message of Christ is that if you will serve the least, you become a champion in God's eyes. It does not take one pulpit and lift it above the rest of the world like a Roman pontiff. Instead, it elevates the congregation to a nation of priests. You were created for God's glory. Look at your neighbor and say, I am created for God's glory. Oh, isn't that better? than contemplating suicide or taking Xanax because you're full of anxiety. You were created for glory. You'll never understand the glory you were created for until you are active in sharing your faith. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Which of them foretold this and proclaimed to us former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right so others may hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. But before me, No God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. Pay careful attention to the 12th verse. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I, and not some foreign God among you, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. Church, your job is to proclaim His truth. Your job is then to demonstrate that truth through your life and your actions. This is called the fruit of your faith or the ergon by which you will be judged. The very last chapter of the book of Revelation says so. But not just there. How about Matthew seven twenty one? Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter my kingdom, but only he who does the will of my Father. See, we have exalted creeds so high that we have forgot your creed is supposed to produce deeds and that you know a tree by its fruit. Oh, come on, church. It's time to bear some fruit. You know what that will mean? The roots will bring you more nourishment. The sunlight will have more effect on your leaves. Do you know what it will mean? You'll have a purpose in your life. Oh, man. 
Every spiritual blessing is yours, but you can't begin to perceive it until you get busy doing in the name of Jesus. Let us move from the law to the prophets here and now to the writings. Go with me to 2 Chronicles, the 32nd chapter, beginning in the 7th verse. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. That is right. Somebody said it in the back. Rock Kazak. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is greater power with us than with him. Now, why is the prophet telling the king and the king telling the people this? Because they don't know it. I mean, isn't that pretty obvious? You have no idea the power that is with you until you experience resistance against you. Are you beginning to see why you must be active in sharing your faith to understand the very power that you're preaching about? The more you put yourself on the line, the more you will see God toes that line. The more need you have for power, the more power you will see expressed in your life. Seven times in the book of Ephesians, Paul cries out for the Ephesians to experience power. This one man turned that city so upside down that for two hours they chanted to their foreign gods. And you know what he wanted to do? Go back in and address the crowd. In this case, the Romans were actually protecting him. They pulled him out of the arena. Do you know in that very city in the year 431, they declared Mother Mary the mother of God? You know what had been happening in that city for about 800 years? The worship of a female deity as God. Her priesthood was celibate too, by the way. The only one in the Greek pantheon. How about that? A little bit after the year 300 in the archaeological digs, she shows up with a baby. Do you know what syncretism is? If not, you do now. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence or grew in faith from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. I would say Hezekiah was preaching. In 2 Chronicles 32, verse 21, you'll see a demonstration that backs up the true preaching always. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all of the fighting men and the leaders and the officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And then he went into the temple of his God. Some of his sons cut him down with the sword. See, When you stand and you are active in preaching the truth, God will make sure that there is an active demonstration in the lives of the people that are around you. The gospel was always supposed to be twofold, preaching and demonstration. It is wrong to preach and not allow demonstration, and it is wrong to try demonstration without preaching. They're actually supposed to create a unified witness together. Right now in the strange charismatic zoo that is the milieu of the United States, we're being told, just love people. Pray for them to have miracles. Don't address sin. Don't address their state. That's not your problem. This is a lie. I'm going to show you throughout the Newer Testament. They preached and they demonstrated. 
They never preached without demonstrating and they never demonstrated without preaching. They are supposed to go together. Faith in deeds is what constitutes real faith. As we move to the Newer Testament, don't forget that this active word, this empowered believer that preaches and demonstrates was always God's plan. I won't read Psalm 145 to you because somebody prophesied it today in our service. How about that? One generation preaching to the next about the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, about His miraculous power. One generation telling the next so that they would know and put their faith in the Lord. Oh, come on, church. Do you want to be the generation that does not carry this forward? See, I don't. I take it very seriously, our responsibility. Jennifer found me when I was 15 years old. She seduced me and I've been hers ever since. (laughs) But at about 18, I fell in love with the King of Kings. I stole my neighbor's rose bushes because I didn't know that was wrong at the time. And I drove to my in-law's house and I got on a knee. Told her I had no idea how we'd make a living where we would go or what we would do, but there would never be another day I didn't spend in love with Jesus Christ and working for him. That was more than 23 years ago, soon to be six children ago, more than 30 countries ago. It's immeasurably more than I could ask for or imagine. Most thought we were out of our mind. A couple hundred people at our wedding and 198 of them didn't think we would make it. I don't blame them. I don't. I had not been six months past the blood on my knuckles. Poor Fred came home from work one day and I was on his couch with a cut open forehead and a bag of some frozen food on my face. Six months later, I'm asking for his daughter's hand in marriage. But you know what I became immediately when I got born again? Immediately. Active in sharing my faith. Immediately. In fact, I was arrested the first weekend I was born again for sharing my faith. (laughs) I didn't say I did it right. I just said I was active. Not being smarter than other men. Not having more credentials than other men. Do you know what you were left with? Being more active than other men. Isn't that what Paul said? I worked harder than all of them. Isn't it what he said? What do you want to be known for? A diploma on the wall or Christ's letter written on people's hearts? I have my share of critics. I love them. They just don't know me well enough yet. But you know what they can't say? That I've been lazy. Apparently, I'm not going to get the chance to be lazy, am I, Jeff? We'll be busy for at least another 18 years. Let us hop into the Newer Testament. Hopefully we can bring this home. Do you have time for eight serious scriptures? If you don't have time for eight serious scriptures, you need to go to a less serious church. They're everywhere. You can find several on this road, right? You can probably find one that will tell you you're a champion with big pearly white teeth and shifty beady eyes. In Matthew 10... Verse 7, 
as you go, as you what? As you go, preach this message. As you go, what do you do? Preach. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. When we go, what do we do? And when we preach, what happens? You demonstrate the kingdom by healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing those who have leprosy, driving out demons, treating it as a free service to the world because Christ gave it to you for free. We don't take up offerings from those that we prayed for and they got healed. We don't sell prayer cloths so that they will get healed. This kind of peddling for profit is beneath the body of Christ. Freely you have received, give freely. Oh, church, we are supposed to preach and demonstrate. Jesus said it so clearly. Preach and then demonstrate. Otherwise, your preaching is just wise and persuasive words. But if you preach and you demonstrate, who can argue with the truth of that? How about Mark 16 and verse 20? Man, Abby, you're fast. It's that super pink Bible you have. My little girl's quite a preacher, y'all. If you give her half a chance, she will take you from law, prophets, writings, Old and New Testament, and then drop a hammer on you that demands a response. She's been listening to her mother for many years. In Matthew 16 and verse 20, then the disciples went out and preached. Where? Everywhere. Where do you preach? Everywhere. It'd be easier to say where you don't preach. I haven't found that place yet. I've been looking for a long time. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Who went and did this? The who? You mean it wasn't a special apostolic age? They're called disciples here at the end of the book of Mark. How about that? Not just the ten, probably not just the seventy. Probably... All of the disciples. Do you know why? There is no hierarchy in the kingdom where you get to anoint a champion to go do the work of God for you. You were all created for his glory. You were all created to be his instrument. It is wrong of us to cede these responsibilities to somebody that we think is better adept than we are. Do you know why? All of us are equally incompetent until the Holy Ghost fills us. And when he fills us, we all become as competent as Christ is. But you can't know that until you get out and try. And then you become acquainted with his power. You know, it's a very special feeling to be in a valley in India where you can't get out by foot in, in a week. Or in Honduras, seven days by boat into the middle of the rainforest. And when you're praying for healing, the person has to get healed. Do you know why? There is no other option. And you're pretty sure that somebody else would be better for this. Like, where's, where's medicine woman Dr. Quinn or whatever? I mean, I mean, surely somebody's got to be better for this. The problem is you're the only one there. 
And it turns out God will use the one who's there over the one that's not there. So the question is, do you want to be there or not? And if you want to be there, what are we going to do? Well, as we go, we're going to preach. And when we preach, we're going to heal the sick. We're going to raise the dead. We're going to cleanse the lepers. And we're going to cast out demons. Say, well, I've never seen. Well, maybe you haven't believed. Let's just come to grips with it. Those who don't believe will never see. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But those who believe are seeing it around the world. Some of us even in the United States. How about Acts 8 and verse 4? We're three scriptures into our eight scriptures for a new beginning. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. They didn't ask. Have you noticed the Muslims don't ask whether or not they should impose Islam on people? Have you noticed? I mean, the sick followers. Hear me. I want to make sure everybody gets it. Make sure it gets right online too. You can put it in front of my house. You can tell the whole world. The Quran is a satanic book. Islam is of the devil. And Muhammad was a pedophile prophet. See, we can tell the truth. It's going to be okay. But if those followers of the pedophile prophet that are enslaving the world with an antichrist spirit can be bold about their faith, who told you you had to be such a weenie? Huh? Oh, we can't say that in church. The problem is you don't say anything in or out of church. You need to start speaking up. I mean, I'm pretty sure in the confines of your home, you, well, let's just, let me, let me, let me get back on track. I'll, I'll have a meeting with the elders afterwards. I know I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there's no place. There is no place for cowards in the kingdom. You're going to have to find some Holy Ghost courage and stand up. It's time. And if you don't, if you don't do it, you'll be responsible not for the abortions that are happening now, millions and millions. You'll be responsible for the spiritual genocide that comes upon this nation on your watch. Okay? I'm I'm not the great patriot. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I love this nation. I'm thankful for this. I'm I'm thankful that you love it the way you do. I have no ill against this nation. But I I don't think this nation is the answer to the world's problems. I think the kingdom of God is. And having said that, this is my home. And while we are standing here, we cannot claim to be a part of the kingdom of God and watch our home overrun by an antichrist spirit. And we're just too scared to speak up. You know what? You can talk to people in a burqa. They don't bite. Not in this country. I mean, I've been places where, where that would cause problems. Of course, if your goal was to avoid problems, you probably shouldn't have got born again. If you're trying to please men, how can you be in Christ? Maybe, maybe we ought not just look the other way in Walmart. Maybe you ought not tuck your head and just walk on to go watch Netflix or whatever it is you're doing. Maybe you ought to look and go, that's a sign that there's chains on somebody's life. I happen to serve a chain-breaking God. I have the power of the gospel with me. Say, but they might be ugly. Okay, they might be ugly. 
there's a good chance every lost person you meet is going to be ugly anyway. Well, why does it scare you so much when they're Muslim? Oh, those folks are violent. <laughs> Should have grown up in my family. <laughs> I mean, come on, church. There's a reason that 95% of all missions is to non-Muslim countries. There's a reason. And it's what's called the body of Christ. It's got a giant yellow streak in it right now. It wasn't that way 200 years ago. And even our political leaders 200 years ago said all kinds of things. And Winston Churchill called Islam the most retrograde force on the planet. Retrograde, right? Today, people, there's a guy in the White House right now that nobody knows what we'll say, but I would rather it be said because we're in love with Jesus Christ, not just because we're being mean, right? In fact, to only say it in the situation that it causes somebody to come into a collision with the truth, right? But I bet if you wanted to be used of God, he would use you. Because I've been a lot of places. You know what? I, I was not overrun with workers in the field. Most of the time I was overrun by the need. There were, in fact, I've never been anywhere where there were more saved people than lost people when it comes down to it, ever. So we're always outnumbered. We're always overworked. We're always tired. And his energy works powerfully in us. You know, it'd be great if you came to work with us. That would be really great. It'd change your life. You find less time to nitpick, less time to feel sorry for yourself, less time to pick on your spouse and blame them for every problem that you have. I didn't say no time, I said less time. Less time. In Acts 8, verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs, what did they do? They heard him and saw the miraculous signs. They paid close attention to what he said. Do you know this Philip is never called an apostle? Ever. Not anywhere in the word. He's known as Philip the evangelist, but never Philip the apostle. And yet he did miracles when he went and preached. You could get the impression that these signs will follow whoever believes. In Acts 14, look at verse 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. How do you confirm the grace message? By being enabled to do miraculous signs and wonders. Oh, church, would you like to see the message confirmed? Well, it starts by preaching the whole message. We've got a dramatic shortage of that. Of course, it's hard to fit the whole message into a 29-minute segment designed to entertain people from parking lot to parking lot because they're carnal mutants that you're calling Christians. Even in the book of Revelation, we see the exact same pattern. Revelation 11 and verse 6. These men have power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. And they have power to turn the waters into blood and strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. 
Hey, by the way, was that before or after the cessation of the apostolic age? Oh, oh, I was just curious. Now, when they have finished their testimony, see, they testified and they performed miracles. They did both, never just one or the other. We're nearing the end. There are three scriptures left. If these three don't make a dent in your thought, then I'm probably not going to succeed today. Do you want the power of God? Yes. Do you want the power of God? Yes. Do you want to preach and demonstrate? Yes. How many of you in here want a miracle and have for a long time that you're still waiting on? Oh, come on. Look, one thing we know for sure, if you don't stand your ground and fight for the promise of God, you'll never see it. But we know that the power of our King shows up where His gospel is fully preached. And today could be your day. It could be your day. In fact, I got a blessing I wasn't even praying for. And I want desperately for you each to have a blessing. You know that man's original call was to be fruitful and to multiply, to subdue the earth. Those of you that want children, that is a godly desire. Especially in an age where people will trade their children for BMWs. It is a godly desire. We will pray and pray and pray until you get what you're after. How many of you would like a spouse? <laughs> Do not exchange phone numbers. That's not what this is about. We're going to take it to the throne and not the phone, people. Turn with me to Hebrews 2. By the way, the spouse needs to precede the child. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 3. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Is it an extraordinary statement that the gospel itself is testified to by signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will? Yes. Oh man, maybe that's why Paul said, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy. Don't let anybody talk you out of that. Amen. I am for a whole Bible and a victorious church. I don't want to segment it, and I don't want to tuck our tail between our legs and run during the earth's greatest need. Our job is to face the Antichrist spirit and refuse to yield because we have tasted of the coming of the age of Christ. That's our job. And for the first four centuries of Christianity, the expectation of the Christian was that you would be martyred. It's only in our time that the expectation is some kind of sevenfold return or credit card scheme. How about 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, starting in the fourth verse? My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. The power to transform a life, the power to heal a child, the power to give a child, the power to witness, the power to prophesy. 
the power to speak in other tongues, to interpret those who do. There are so many ways that the Lord can testify to his message. But it will require you to step out and be active and try. That's when you find out about the power that is yours in Christ. You will never find out about the spiritual blessings that are yours while sitting comfortably on your salvation, hiding in the congregation. It requires you to stand up and say, I want more. I was preaching on this very subject in Mozambique 12 months ago, 11 months ago. And a young man named Pedro that had never heard before, not like this, he'd been in a church that said it was spirit-filled for years, but he never understood what was his. He leaped to his feet and said, I want shambhurababashikiriyalab. I started speaking in other tongues. I was like, wow, go ahead. We didn't even pray for him. Then he turned to the guy next to him and prayed for him, and he started speaking in around the room. Do you know why? They were hungry. You know, the only people that were upset by that were the hirelings that worked there. How sad, right? When religion becomes the enemy of a true relationship with the Lord. How sad. May it never be. May it never be in this place. Our sole desire is to put you on a collision course with the God of glory that created you for His glory. We don't want you dependent on us, this building, that offering plate, or a magical cracker. We want you dependent upon the presence and the power of the Lord working within you. It turns out that it's easier to do that with each other than independently because the Lord loves covenant. That's why we come together here. You ready for your final scripture for the day? Who is leading worship? Is that you? Pastor Piro, would you come this way? Don't close your Bibles. Don't, don't, don't tune me out. You've seen Matthew walk up here a hundred times. He's a good-looking man with giant tree trunk legs. His body is currently suing his knees for non-support. Matthew was in the kingdom before I was. I persecuted him terribly. He prayed for me and he loved me. It broke my heart. Man, I was prepared for anything. I'd have rather fist fought. I'd have lost, but I'd have rather fist fought than have him love me and pray for me. The power of God over sin is incredible. To be able to look at those that are abusing you and love them in the midst of it, there's no defense for that. There's no martial art against it. He loved me. I then... Got born again. You know who was the first person I couldn't wait to tell? Matthew Piro. A few weeks later, he's baptizing me in an apartment complex swimming pool on a Saturday afternoon. I turned on the entire crowd there. We began preaching hellfire and brimstone. Pretty soon we were alone. Active in sharing your faith will acquaint you with what is yours in Christ. The word is in and itself active. When it's planted in you, he's moving to change you. He's moving to shape you. He will empower you to declare his word. 
in Romans 15, beginning in verse 17. Did I tell you that we were on our way to Antakya? This is ancient Antioch. In just a few short weeks, we will be there. We're sent there by a prophetic word, sent there by dreams, sent there by confirmation in the scripture. Every one of Paul's missionary journeys began in one city. What is today Antakya, then called Antioch. And as he was active in sharing the word in every city that he went to, the Lord performed miracles. I have found that to be true. Where we go and we proclaim the word, he performs miracles. We've seen extraordinary things. In Peru, we saw a growth fall off of a woman that was the size of a football. And the next day, they brought vegetables as tithes. And in every little town that we went to, there was a crowd waiting for us because the testimony had gotten there ahead of us. In India, a man was brought in that I thought was at least 200 years old. <laughs> he was on a mat, and he hadn't walked in so long. When he got healed, you should have seen the children. You should have seen it. And by the way, before he got healed, demons came out. You'd never be able to take that away, ever. I don't know how many healings we saw. And I, the, the thing is, is this is not about putting a notch on a spiritual belt. It's about the sanctity of the gospel. Amen. Where the gospel is preached, God confirms it with signs and wonders. Somehow or another, people have turned that into, He confirms it by giving you cars and wealth. That's, that's a lie. It's a lie. The love of money is such a trap. In fact, Paul's letter to Timothy in the last chapter, he says, command those who are wealthy to be rich in good deeds that they might take hold of life that is really life. Command. Don't ask. He didn't say take up an offering. He said, you tell them. I don't want your money. I want God to get his glory. Amen. Then all the finances take care of themselves. I don't want not one more dollar than it takes for us to live and complete our visions. If you want something more than it takes for you to live and to complete your vision, you need to ask yourself whether or not money is an idol to you. Of course, you might not know what your vision is. You might not even know why you're alive. You might need the miraculous power of God to enliven His Word to you so that you're taking hold of life that is really life. If you're sitting in here today and you know that Jesus is Lord and you've said it and you sing songs with us and you describe yourself as a Christian but you have habitual sin in your life that is showing up in the same area on a regular basis and you tell yourself the same thing every time, I'm not going to do this anymore and you know that you're going to. The power of God will break that. It will break that. And you need to know something. If you are a slave to sin, then you're not free in Christ. It doesn't matter what your theology is. If you're practically a slave, then no theology says that you're not. I want to tell you something. I stand here before you today full of flaws. Look, about 270 pounds of redneck. And I'm supposed to be more like you know, 190 pounds. That's the guy she married. We've grown together through the years. 
Let's not use not being perfected as an excuse to be enslaved to sin. It's true that there are flaws, problems, even sin that is disgusting from time to time. But do you know what I'm not sitting here doing? Knowing that later this week I'm going to sin. That's nowhere in my life. How about you? Do you know that before the week's out, you'll be doing things that offend Jesus? I don't mean in a general sense. You could probably list them. Do you know that? You weren't meant to live like that. The power of the gospel is here to set you free. But you can't hang on to your pride. You certainly can't conceal it. Nobody ever got healed by keeping the problem concealed. It, it never happens. It requires you to say, Lord, I love you, and I believe you love me, and yet there are these chains that are here. And I've read your word, John 8 says, I'm free in you, I'm free indeed. By the way, he gave that whole discourse to men who already believed in him. You should read its context sometime. But I told you one more scripture, and that's Romans 15. Therefore, verse 17, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. Why do you think Paul could glory in his service to God? He knew his service to God was God's glory. Oh, man. What a good feeling. What are you clinging to? I can sit here today unafraid at 42 years old with a beautiful wife slightly older than me. Pregnant, already with five children and two grandchildren, so totally unafraid, full of gratitude, because I know for certain that our service to God has been a glory. Amen. I know what we were and what he's made us. That's not arrogance. That's a profound gratitude to what God has done. It has been immeasurably more than I could ask for or imagine. You know how you get to immeasurable? You have to get out of your mind and in his. Amen. Paul was in the mind of Christ. His work was a service to God. It was glory. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and... by what I have said and... There is the preaching and there is the demonstrating. Demonstrating is not always done at an altar and moments after a service. Sometimes it's done in the decades that follow the message in a man's life. We cannot settle for one or the other. Deeds that are not inspired by faith is humanism. Faith without deeds is dead religion. Faith and deeds is the power of Christ. Amen. By the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to <laughs> Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe in a full gospel. I'm not part of some denomination. I just believe that every word that he said is still true. I don't think any part of it needs to be redacted. 
any part of it needs a black highlighter. I think that that is the response of a cowardice soul trying to justify their lack of power through their intellect. They're firmly trapped within the confines of their own mind. My hope for you today is that you will be set free, that you will experience the full measure of the gospel. So we want to do a couple things for you. We're going to pray. If you received a revelation today of some kind, revelation demands a response. You have to respond. And the reason that you have to respond is if God spoke something to you, that's what a revelation is, how dare you not respond to him? There has to be a response. We're going to provide a couple ways to do that. We're not going to limit it to this. I'm just telling you, they're there. I want Jennifer and I to pray for every family that wants a baby and doesn't have one or that wants another one and has one and you've been having trouble. I, I want to pray. I, look, he's done an outstanding miracle in our life. What can we say? If you need to be baptized in God's Holy Spirit, if you need the power to witness, you want to overflow in spiritual gifts as a beginning, not an end, not a, not a merit badge, not something so you can go tell the Pentecostal world that they should approve of you. I don't approve of them. So that you'll be equipped by God. That's the purpose. Not anybody's pride over you. That you would be equipped by God. Amen. If you want that, you can have that. The pastors are going to pray for you. If you'll commit to pray, we will commit to not leave until you are filled with the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, I've never lost one of those. Not in any country. Not anywhere. With an interpreter, without an interpreter. We have never set out to pray for somebody to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And they didn't get filled. Do you know why? Because everything's possible for him who believes. People got filled with the Holy Ghost last Sunday. Did you miss your opportunity last Sunday? What are you waiting for? And how long do you think you can resist God's Holy Spirit before you offend Him? If you just need flat-out repentance, you're living less than you should and you know it. You are the person I'm talking about that plans to sin this week but is telling yourself you're not going to. I've been there. I know exactly what that's like. The mental gymnastics is incredible. It's a kind of mental illness. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, but I just wonder what happens if. You need to present your chains before the Lord. He will break them. He will, he will break them. If you're sitting in this room and you know that you have unforgiveness, it's one of the very few absolutes in the Bible. If you do not forgive, you cannot, period, cannot be forgiven. You know how serious that is? We can break that stronghold today. If you say, no, no, that's not me. It's not that I haven't forgiven them. I just, well, if their name just came up, I bet it's because you haven't forgiven them. I'm going to begin to pray. Jennifer and I are going to go over by the drums for no particular reason than that is where we're going to stand. Pastor Wade and Christy are going to come to the center of the room right here. And uh, if, if you would like prayer regarding birthing godly children, come see us at the drums.
If you'd like to be baptized in God's Holy Spirit, we've got a couple that will pray for you to get filled with the Holy Spirit right here in the center of the room. If what you really need to do is come to Christ, present your chains, and say, you know what? I've never been fully crucified. I'm going to die to that life. I'm going to walk out of here a new person. And we want you to come right over here where our elders will be. And they will lead you in how to do that. But don't walk up and say, you know, I don't know why I'm here. Just pray for me. Don't, don't do that. You either have the courage to walk up and say, I need prayer for this specific thing, or you're not worthy of the kingdom. We're not going to bow our heads. We're not going to close our eyes. And you're not going to lift a pinky. You either get crucified with Christ in front of the body of Christ, or let's not pretend you don't belong to him. Okay, there is no room for half measures in here. You're either all out for the Lord, or let's be honest, you're still serving the gods of Baal. So this is your Elijah moment. I'm telling you, fire is going to fall. The question is, does he fall upon you for empowerment or for judgment? I'm going to begin to pray. When I begin to pray, you come to your feet. And you do what you must. Our elders will be there. Pastor Sutherland will be here. Jennifer and I will be there.